Okay, great. So yes, we're going to turn to the Word of God now, and if you have a Bible, you may want to turn to the book of Genesis and chapter 20. If you don't have a Bible with you, we have some spare, and we can lend you those for the rest of the meeting, so just put your hand up, and um, someone will deliver one to you. We also have the words which will appear on the screen behind me of the verses that I'm going to look at. So you've got three options there. Take your pick. But we've been looking at the life of Abraham when I've been preaching over the last few months, and we are up to Genesis 20, so we're going to read um, that whole chapter. Now Abraham moved on from there into the region of the Negev and lived between Kadesh and Shur. For a while he stayed in Gerar, and there Abraham said of his wife Sarah, she's my sister. Then Abimelech, king of Gerar, sent for Sarah and took her. But God came to Abimelech in a dream one night and said to him, You're as good as dead because of the woman you've taken. She's a married woman. Now Abimelech hadn't gone near her, so he said, Lord, will you destroy an innocent nation? Did he not say to me, She's my sister? And didn't she also say, He's my brother? I've done this with a clear conscience and clean hands. Then God said to him in his dream, Yes, I know you did this with a clear conscience, and so I've kept you from sinning against me. That's why I didn't let you touch her. Now return the man's wife, for he's a prophet, and he'll pray for you, and you will live. But if you do not return her, then you may be sure that you and all yours will die. Early the next morning, Abimelech summoned all his officials, and when he told them all that had happened, they were very much afraid. Then Abimelech called Abraham in and said, What have you done to us? How have I wronged you so that you brought such great guilt upon me and my kingdom? You've done things to me that shouldn't be done. And Abimelech asked Abraham, What was your reason for doing this? Abraham replied, I said to myself, there's surely no fear of God in this place, and they'll kill me because of my wife. Besides, she really is my sister, the daughter of my father, though not of my mother, and she became my wife. And when God caused me to wander from my father's household, I said to her, this is how you can show your love to me. Everywhere we go, say of me, he's my brother. Then Abimelech brought sheep and cattle and male and female slaves and gave them to Abraham, and he returned Sarah, his wife, to them, him. And Abimelech said, my land's before you, live wherever you like. To Sarah, he said, I'm giving your brother a thousand shekels of silver. This is to cover the offense against you before all who are with you. You who are completely, you are completely vindicated. Then Abraham prayed to God and God healed Abimelech, his wife and his slave girl, so they could have children again. For the Lord had closed up every womb in Abimelech's household because of Abraham's wife, Sarah. All right. Well, Abraham has been walking with God uh, up until this point. He got called out by God from the place he lived, Ur, and then from Haran. And he came out and he's been walking with God. And for most of these last eight chapters, eight or nine chapters that we've been reading, we've seen a real man of faith, a man who has engaged in mighty battles. He's gone into war against kings and defeated them. He's stood up. He's been the righteous one. He's called out for, for, to God for Sodom and Gomorrah. He's rescued his nephew Lot once already. He's lived in ways which are righteous. He's obviously had good relationships with his neighbors. He's shown hospitality to people. He's a great man who walks with God. But this, this isn't one of his finest hours. Not one of Abraham's finest hours. He's moving on from one place where he's lived for quite a while to a new place. 
Um, maybe he wanted to get away from the area around Sodom and Gomorrah that he was living. Maybe the smell of sulfur was getting a little bit too much for him. And he thought, you know, I, I, need, to, I need to move on a little bit more. So he goes to this place called Gerar. And as he goes there, the Bible says he introduces Sarah to people, not as his wife, but as his sister. Now, some of you who are a little bit sharp might be sitting here thinking, hang on, I've got a bit of a sense of deja vu here. Haven't haven't we been here before? Hasn't Mark preached on this passage before? Well, actually, no. I haven't preached on this passage before, but I have preached on Genesis 12 before, where Abraham goes into Egypt. And it's almost exactly, not exactly, but it's almost exactly the same story. It's got the same theme to it. He goes to a new place, Egypt, and he introduces his wife to to people as his sister. And in that time, the Pharaoh uh, took Sarah in to his entourage, to his harem, really. And uh, God inflicted serious diseases on him. Um, and he re- reveals to Pharaoh that, um, that Sarah is actually Abraham's wife. And Pharaoh rebukes Abraham and blesses him and sends him on his way. A very similar story to the one we get here in Genesis 20. Now, some people, some Bible scholars will say, oh, well, you know what? There's various different sources of these stories that were going around. And one story got added twice into the Bible. It's just really one story about what Abraham did. He only, he didn't do it twice. He just did it the once. It's just the one story. In which case, I can dig out my notes from Genesis 12. I don't have to prepare. I'll just preach it to you again which uh, might be helpful for you, it might not be. Um, But actually, that's not the case. That's not the case. This passage here, and what actually Abraham did, is making an important point, as we'll find out. Now, at the start of this passage in Genesis 20, we don't get to find out really why. Why does Abraham say that Sarah is his sister? And in fact, in Genesis 12... He doesn't explain to Pharaoh why at all. It just says that's what he did. He says he was a bit fearful, um, but we don't really get to find out why. But here, Abraham explains it to this ruler, Abimelech. And he says this in chapter 20, verse 11. He says to Abimelech, I said to myself, there's surely no fear of God in this place, and they will kill me because of my wife. Um, so he's going to this new place and he thinks, this is a godless place. This is a place that doesn't worship God. And I'm, I'm fearful because they're going to kill me because of my wife. Why would they kill him because of his wife? Well, because she is very beautiful. She has great beauty. And, um, and he's going to know that they're going to want to take her and take her into uh, the kind of entourage of Abimelech, the ruler, And if she was his sister, that would be okay because he'd get paid for that. If she was his wife, it's likely that he would get killed. And he's really fearful of that. Now, you might think, well, this is a little bit weird. This woman now is 90 years old. Now, you wouldn't imagine with a 90-year-old woman that you're going in and thinking, she's just gorgeous as my wife, isn't she? She's really gorgeous. Everyone's going to be after her. I better say she's my sister. Um, the first time she was 65 and that's, that's pretty old. It's pretty old, but, but not that old. (laughs) 
But 90 is really old. (laughs) I mean, there are people, there are some, you get the odd person, don't you, who just looks gorgeous in their old age. I don't know if any of you have been watching watching the the, the new series of Dallas that's on. Probably not. Um, Dallas... I've not picked on something that, you know, is, is just everyone's watching at the moment. <laughs> but I, as a kid, I used to watch Dallas. That, probably more people watched it in the past, some older people. <laughs> but not that old. Uh, <laughs> you might have watched Dallas. I used to watch it as a little kid. And... Uh, <laughs> All these characters, J.R. Ewing, Sue Ellen, everything. Well, they've revamped it. They've revamped it. They've got the new generation, but some of the old generation are still in it. Oh, yes. And you can tune in and see what Bobby Ewing really looks like now. And um, J.R., he's just died, but no, never mind. And uh, <laughs> Sue Ellen. Now, Sue Ellen looks pretty good. Now, I don't know if we've got a picture of Sue Ellen here. I, I, there we are. Now, that's Sue Ellen. That's now. Okay, that's the actress now. She's 72. She's 72. Can you believe it? No. Now, now if Abraham was married to Sue Ellen, we're kind of confusing Bible and, and fiction here, I, I, I am aware. Just stay with me. This is an illustration. <laughs> Abraham was no JR, by the way. Um, so Abraham, if, if he was married to someone like someone, you kind of think, well, you can see why he's a little bit worried. And it could well be, you see, um, Sarah has just had a promise from God that she's going to have... We can take her off now, it's okay. I know it's distracting for people. We can, we can take her... We can take her... What am I saying? We can take her off. Um, he's just had... A, they've just had a promise they're going to have a child. So... Maybe God's doing something anyway in Sarah's body to enable her to bear a child. She's obviously got to be able to to have a child. So who knows what's going on? But the truth, the fact is, Abraham is concerned that his wife Sarah is pretty gorgeous, pretty hot, and people are going to want to take her. Abimelech is going to want her in in her entourage. Um, So he's thinking, you know, well, I'm scared. I'm scared. And, and fear can get hold of people, can't it? You can go somewhere, you can be doing something, and fear can get hold of you. Last year, I was supposed to be taking a trip to Nigeria with uh, a guy called Blessan, who is, many of you will know Blessan and Catherine, they worship with us, they're part of the North Congregation. Uh, Blessan is Indian, and uh, he, he gets asked to speak in a number of different places, and he'd been asked to speak into Ni- a situation in Nigeria, and I was going to go with him. And uh, so I read up all about Nigeria um, online, and the, the thing that kept coming out in all this advice about traveling to Nigeria was, oh, it's, it's pretty dangerous for Westerners because there's a lot of abductions. Um, there's a lot of abductions going on in Nigeria. People, you know, if you're not Western, that's okay, but Westerners sometimes get uh, kidnapped, and then they, they have this ransom that is set for them. And so the more I'm reading about these abductions, and I'm thinking, well, I'm, I'm going over there. And, and you could just, the fear starts to, well, what, what, what can I do about it? Well, may, maybe I need to do something that means I don't look Western. Maybe I ought to just go and put some, some, some makeup on my face. I don't know. What should I do? And you start to think, well, this fear can start to come in. Um, now, in the end, I didn't end up going, but that wasn't the reason. Um, but I'm sure it would have been fine. But I'm sure it's just one of these things that the fear gets in. 
You know, that happens sometimes, doesn't it? Something gets into your head and you just it gets bigger and bigger and bigger. And you get more and more convinced that that is going to happen. I think that's happening here with Abraham. Abraham is convinced that, he, that everyone fancies his wife as much as he does, for a start. And, he, and he's convinced that she's going, to, she's going to get taken and that he's going to get killed. Now, in a sense, he's right. Both occasions, he, she does, when he says he's her sister, she does get taken into the uh, entourage of the, of the ruler. But in neither case does he get killed. Actually, he receives the opposite. He receives blessings, even though he's done things that he shouldn't have done. But this fear, this fear has got into him. And you see how, it, how it's affected his relationship with his wife as well. What does he say? That He, he actually says that this is what he says to, to, uh, to his wife. To a, this is what he says to Abimelech. He says, when God caused me to wander from my father's household, I said to Sarah, my wife, this is how you can show your love to me. Everywhere we go, say he's my brother. That's what he's saying to Sarah. Oh, if you really want to show how much you love me, tell people you're my brother. Oh, great. You know, that, that's really going to bless her, isn't it? Don't say you're my, my wife. This is how you can show your love to me. He's manipulating his wife. It's kind of emotional manipulation. Oh, if you really love me, you'll do this. What sort of thing? I mean, maybe that's the sort of thing that Chris Hune said to, said to his ex-wife, you know, with the, about the speeding ticket. Oh, you know, if you love me, you'll take my speeding points for me. Oh, okay, I'll do it. And then it all, it all blows up later on and she's resentful of it. Well, Sarah's in, in danger of, of in this, being in this position. Because Abraham's saying, come on, Sarah, you've got to back me up. Interestingly, in Genesis 12, it doesn't say what Sarah said. Abraham's saying, she's my wife, she's my sister, and Sarah doesn't say anything. But here, Sarah says it as well. By this point, Sarah is agreeing with the lie that Abraham is telling. She's agreeing with it. She's saying that she is his brother. Abimelech says that as well. In verse 5, did, uh, did Abraham not say to me, she is my sister? And did she not also say, he is my brother? He's saying, I've done this with a clean conscience. They both agreed with each other. Abraham is using it. This fear is affecting him. And his wife is, is going along with it. The Bible tells us uh, how we should act towards our wives, uh, men. Ephesians 5, verse 25. Husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her to make her holy, cleansing her with the washing with water through the word and to present her to himself as a radiant church without stain or wrinkle or any other blemish. In this same way, husbands ought to love their wives. Abraham's not loving his wife in that way. He's not loving his wife to make her holy. He's actually drawing her into his sin. He's actually drawing her into his deceit, into his lies. And Sarah sins with him. Sometimes we can get stuck in that position. We can be married to someone and, and, our, and our spouse, our husband or our wife, is acting in a certain way. And maybe they're even saying those words to us. 
You know, we can say, I'm not sure this is right. I'm not sure this is right what you're doing. And, and maybe they're saying to us, you know, if you love me, you won't say anything about this. In fact, actually, you'll back me up. If you love me, you'll stand with me. Yeah, but I don't think it's right. Well, you know, you married me. Are you not going to stand with me? Don't you love me? Actually, husbands and wives can get drawn in into things that they don't, they know is not right in their heart of hearts. I believe Sarah knew this wasn't right. But she's going along with Abraham. Because in any other way, he's a godly man. He's not an evil person. He's not doing all these awful things. He's living a good life. He's following God. He's being obedient. He's walking in faith. And yet there's just what this one area. And he's struggling this area. And she can make excuses for him. Oh, okay. Oh, I'll, I'll stand with you on this then. I'll be a faithful wife. She's actually siding with her husband rather than siding with God. And sometimes it can be helpful for our, our husbands or our wives to say, do you know what? This isn't right. And I do love you. And because I love you, I, I'm, I'm not going to just let this go. We're going we're gonna to work through this. We're going we're gonna to maybe even bring this out into the open. Because, because we're wanting to be holy. We're wanting to be blameless. We're wanting to be pure before God. It's, it can be difficult. It can be difficult. Sarah didn't go with it. Maybe, maybe she just thought, you know, one day he'll change. One day he'll get over this fear. One day he'll learn his lesson. Maybe after Egypt, when, when he all got found out and, and she, and he, he got rebuked by the Pharaoh and we were, we were, we were sent away and we still received God's blessing, but we were sent away. Maybe at that point he's seen that it, it's not like this, but no, he falls into it again, albeit 25 years later, quite a way down the line. 25 years later. But the same thing is repeating itself again. And maybe she thought he would change on his own. But he hasn't. He hasn't. He's a godly man. But there's this one thing which keeps tripping him up. His fear. His fear for his life. And fear can just, can just be so huge in our life. But God encourages those of us who fear. So many points in the Bible. I'll, I'll just pick one. Isaiah 51 and verse 12. God says, I, even I, am he who comforts you. Who are you that you fear mortal men? The sons of men who are but grass. That you forget the Lord, your maker, who stretched out the heavens and laid the foundations of the earth. That you live in constant terror every day because of the wrath of the oppressor who's bent on destruction. For where is the wrath of the oppressor? The cowering prisoners will soon be set free. They won't die in their dungeon. No, they will. They like bread. I am the Lord your God who churns up the sea so that its waves roar. The Lord Almighty is his name. And he goes on to say, you are my people. He's saying to his people, why are you fearful? Why are you fearful against these, this oppressor? Why are you fearful about the enemies? Because I am with you and I am the Lord your God and I created all things. I set things in place. Abraham is walking with God. God has called him out. God who created him. God who can defeat enemies. God who can bring about promises. He's just had the promise. Who knows 
At this point, Sarah may have even found out that she was pregnant. She may even have known at this point, God is faithful. God's promises are true. And yet, fear. I'm going to die. I'm going to die. I'm going to get killed. No, Abraham, you've had promises. No, I don't think so. I think this is it. I don't think I'm going to come into it. And so while there were lots of areas that Abraham showed he was trusting in God in his life, lots of areas, and walking in faith, this was just one area where he gave in to fear. It had become a stronghold in his life. Fear had become a stronghold in his life. It was, it was controlling him. You know, whenever he found himself in this situation, that's what he would do. He suddenly, he, he's not walking in faith. He's not walking, believing and trusting in God. Suddenly, he's there. Oh, it's here again. It's a stronghold. I can't break free of it. I can't, I can't, I can't get out of it. That's what it's like when we have strongholds. We can, we can be people, because Abraham was just an ordinary guy. He was an ordinary person like us. And so we, we'll resonate with some of these things. We'll, we'll see some of these things in our life. We'll have times when we are, when we are walking in faith, when we're saying, yeah, God's with us, yeah, mighty victory, moving in the power of the Spirit, maybe praying for people, seeing people heal. Who knows what God's doing? But yet, there'll be areas in our life that we know when we're in this situation, actually fear gets hold again. Or this, this same sin, this same thing keeps getting me. I keep on going around the same old circle. It seems like, you know, I, I feel I've got out of it and then I'm back in it again. I'm back there again. Just, just don't seem to be able to escape. And I know God's real. And I know God's in my life. And I know I love him. But I'm, I'm here again. And I, and I can't do anything. It's just become, for Abraham, it's just become normal. Just become normal. And there, and there are things in our life that, that we know, we know in our heart of hearts they are sin. We know in our heart of hearts that's not how we should be, be dealing with thinking about things and doing. And maybe at first, maybe at first when we started into these things, we were concerned about it and we, we prayed about it and we thought we need to escape from this and this is wrong. But actually now it's just become normal. It's just become normal. It's just what we're like. It's our weakness, we can say. Oh, you know, no one's perfect. This is just my little weakness. We can, we can make it less than it is. It can become normal. It was the one area of Abraham's life he never dealt with. There's no evidence Abraham ever dealt with this. And actually, it became an, an issue for his son as well. Just flip over to chapter 26 of Genesis. The story of Isaac. Start of chapter 26. Very briefly, I'll read it. Now there's a famine in the land, besides the earlier famine of Abraham's time. And Isaac went to Abimelech, uh, king of the Philistines in Gareth. Probably not the same Abimelech. It was probably a family name. It could have been the same. but uh, The Lord said, don't go to Egypt. Stay in the land where I tell you. Um, so, he, so he goes and... Where are we? Um, uh, 
I will make you Sir Isaac stayed in Gerar. Verse 7. When the men of that place asked about his wife, he said, she's my sister. Because he was afraid to say, she's my wife. He thought the men of this place might kill me on account of Rebecca. Because she's beautiful. She was a bit younger. She probably was beautiful. Um, but... Same thing. And then, and, and then, and then Abimelech, this time, he doesn't get a dream. He looks out of the window, looks down from the window. He, see, he sees Isaac caressing his wife, Rebecca. He's thinking, it's not what brothers and sisters do. So he's twigs. Actually, she's his wife. And he says, why did you say that? It, it's the same story. Biblical scholars say, oh yes, the same story. It's got put in three times. No, it's not. It's just the pattern that Abraham has got into. And now his son is doing it. Now his son's getting it. Oh, this is what dad did. He went everywhere and said it was his wife was his sister. He said, oh, just be careful when you, when you go into these lands. When you're traveling about, Isaac, you need to be really careful because they're evil people. Best thing to do is do what I do. Say that your wife's your sister. That works well. He's doing the same thing. See, it's just become normal. It's just become what you do. It's not. It's not. Why has God put that in the Bible three times? He's wanting to show us this is, this is the thing that is tripping them up time and time again. Abraham's established a pattern of sin. wonder what our patterns of sin are. What are the things where we fall into patterns of sin? The consequences of this for Abraham were huge possibly. Potentially huge. He could have given up totally on the promises of God for a child. Like I said, it was, it's reasonably likely that Sarah was pregnant at this time. Or it was around this sort of time that she was getting pregnant. Which is why it's so important that God intervened. And, uh, you know, Abimelech says, well, look, you know, I've not even, I've not even been with her. I've not even, I've not even slept with her. And God says, yeah, I know. I know, I kept you from that. Well, if God hadn't done that, and Abimelech had slept with Sarah, and then Sarah gets pregnant, well, whose child is it? Is it Abraham's child? Is it the child of promise? Or is it Abimelech's child? It's a little unclear. You know, just that whole shadow being cast on the future promises that God has got because of Abraham's fear. Huge consequences. Huge consequences. And huge consequences for Abimelech and his people too. God had already intervened. God made all the people infertile. He closed the wo- every womb in Abimelech's household. And there's, a suspic- there's a suggestion that people got ill as well. Abimelech got ill as well. God's intervened. But that was his grace. That was God's grace. Had Abimelech slept with Sarah, he could have brought greater punishment upon her, him, and upon that nation. Now, Abraham was supposed to be a blessing to the nations. All nations will be blessed by you. He's not being a big blessing here to this nation. He wasn't a great blessing to Egypt when he fell into this either. He was a blessing in other ways. We've seen that. We've seen how he blessed others. We've seen how others thought so well of him, thought so highly of him, that they'd even go into battle 
as a, as a, as a kind of 80, 90 year old guy. Yeah, we're with you. We'll battle against these kings. But now he's not being a blessing. Now actually there's going to be potentially consequences. Consequences for him, consequences for others. There can be these things in our lives which hold us back. We've heard God this morning encouraging us through Alistair not to be held back. Don't be held back from going into the land, going into the promises. We've heard God speak through Ginny about the promises. Yes, they are there for you. Reassurance of the promises. That's all what, that's all the stuff that Abraham heard. That's all what he's heard from God in the last few chapters. I am with you. I am going to fulfill my promises. You will have a child. And then Abraham goes and he nearly throws it all away. It's not throw it away. We can get into some stuff. We can go in and just think, you know, it's, it's just no one knows about it. It's not going to make a big di- difference. It'll be okay. We'll just get on. We'll come into God's promise, hasn't he? Actually, we can mess up things for ourselves and for others. Our sin can affect many others and even generations to come. We can affect our children by what we do. And maybe you've been affected by your parents in the things that you have learned are normal. But God's wanting to deal with that. God's wanting to change it. These strongholds in our lives, God can break them. We have the power of the Holy Spirit in our lives. Abraham didn't have the advantage that we did. He didn't have the privilege that we did. If we've come to know God and we've had his spirit poured out into us and we've been set free, we don't have to walk in these ways. We don't have to let these strongholds in our lives just dominate and remain. Romans 8 verse 15, Paul says this, For you did not receive a spirit, talking about the Holy Spirit, you did not receive a spirit that makes you a slave again to fear. That's what Abraham was, he was a slave to fear. You've not received a spirit which makes you a slave to to fear, but you've received the spirit of sonship. And by him we cry, Abba, Father. We've not got a spirit that makes us a slave to fear. We're God's children. We've received a spirit of sonship. We've been set free. We can be set free. Hebrews 2 and verse 15. Um, Let's read from verse 14. Since the children have flesh and blood, he too shared, Jesus shared in their humanity, so that by his death he may destroy him who holds the power of death. That is the devil. He's destroyed the power of the devil. He's destroyed, he will destroy the devil. And free those who all their lives were held in slavery by their fear of death. There are people, even people who are saved, even people who know God, who are so fearful of death. Fear of death. I've just not got that I've not got that assurance that I'll be with God. I just, I'm scared. 
and it affects what they do. And, and the writer to the Hebrews is saying, no, Jesus has come to free those who all their lives were held in slavery by the fear of death. It's a stronghold. It can be a stronghold in their life, fear of death. And God's come, and Jesus has come to destroy that. God can set us free from the strongholds in our lives. You might be thinking, yeah, I've got a stronghold in my life. I know there's something in my life. And it's just become normal to me. And it's just become one of those things. And actually my wife knows about it maybe. And my husband knows about it. And they've colluded with it a little bit. God wants to set you free. He can set you free today. God intervenes in his grace in the story of Abraham. He speaks to Abimelech in a dream. And he lets him know the truth. And he lets him know in time before he slept with Sarah. He was so gracious. Because he would have deserved death for committing adultery. And God was gracious to Abraham as well. He's rescued him from the from the disaster that could have happened had Sarah just been taken off to be with Abimelech and and then stayed with her. Abimelech here responds well, doesn't he? Abimelech's going to have heard of Sodom and Gomorrah. The news of God totally destroying Sodom and Gomorrah would have spread. And so... When Abimelech finds out, he's fearful, but fearful in a good way. He's fearful of God. He realizes, man, this is serious. This is what God can do. You know, God says to him, I mean, God's pretty explicit with him, isn't he, in the dream. You're as good as dead because the woman you've taken is not your wife. Oh, my word. The reality hits him. This isn't just any woman. You know, this is Abraham. And he'll, he's, his God was the God who destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah. And he's, he's saying to God, in, even in this dream, Lord, will you destroy an innocent nation? He's, he's not, he's not just out for himself. He's concerned for his whole nation. He's not like, well, never mind, you can deal with them, but save me, God. No. Will you destroy this innocent nation? He's fearing God's judgment. Abraham thought he wasn't a good guy. Abraham thought he's evil. All the people are evil here. They're all going to kill me. They'll kill me on the count of my wife. That's what he thought Abimelech would do. He's going to kill me. Abimelech doesn't seem as though he's going to be doing that at all. It just shows, doesn't it, how our fears can just warp our perceptions. We can think, oh, this is bound to happen. No, it's not. So the reality can be very different. From what we think it's going to be like. Fears are always worse than the reality of the situation. Almost always worse than the reality of the situation. But here, Abimelech, he's, he's acting in quite a godly way. In fact, throughout the whole of this passage, and in Genesis 12 when it happens with Pharaoh, the unbeliever seems to be acting in a more godly way than the believer. The one who's not walking with God seems to be more godly than the God-fearing person. Abimelech says to Abraham, what are you playing at? What are you doing? Why did you say that? Why on earth did you say that that she was your sister? And Abraham is still not responding very well. Abraham's still kind of not, oh, you know, I'm so sorry. You know, I, I, I repent. Before you and before God. He's not doing that. Abraham's still kind of making excuses. You know, he, he says, he says, 
Oh, besides, she is, she is my sister. I'm not really lying. Why, why did you do it? Why did you say she was your sister? And she is. Oh, well, that makes it all okay then. What? Why is he coming out with these excuses, really? It's weak. I didn't really lie, did I? Hmm. It's almost like Abimelech's preaching at Abraham. Why did you do this? You shouldn't have done those things. After he's finished, like, preaching at Abraham, Abimelech shows his grace towards him. See, Abimelech could have just said, look, get out of here on your way. Could have punished him. I mean, that would have been a more appropriate time to say to Abraham, do you know what? Now I'm going to kill you. You were worried I was going to kill you before, and now I am. (laughs) You were right to fear me. Don't mess with Abimelech. He doesn't. He doesn't do that. He gives him sheep and cattle and slaves. And he says, look, here's my land. Live wherever you want. What? Why is he doing that? He's being so gracious to him. I mean, he does have a little dig, doesn't he, as he goes. You see that in verse 16? He speaks to Sarah. He says to Sarah, he says, I am giving your brother a thousand shekels of silver. (laughs) It's like, he's found out she's actually married to him. He's like, okay, it's your brother, isn't it, Sarah? You were were saying it as well. But he he gives him a, a thousand shekels of silver. That's, I think, about, what does it say? 25 pounds, 11 and a half kilos of silver. Pretty good. He's blessing him. Not just a few little gifts. Huge amount of blessing. A huge amount of blessing. He's a, he's a good guy, isn't he? Good old Abimelech. Yay. Be good if he was ruling over us. Yay. Actually, it can be a problem for us, can't it? Because, you know, do you sometimes think that? Do you sometimes think, actually, I know people who, who aren't Christians. I know people who don't know God. And they're, they're nicer than the, the Christians that I know. They're nicer people. I'd rather be around them. They're actually a bit kinder. <laughs> They're a bit nicer. Sometimes that can happen. Sometimes there can be unbelievers, people who, who have got no belief in God at all. They're not wanting to follow Jesus, but they're really nice people. They're really kind. They can be really generous. And we, and we can get into problems with it. How can, how can God be going to punish them? I read in the Bible about, and, and, and it, you know, eternal punishment. How, but they're so nice. And what, and what about the Christians who are, these Christians who are so confident that they're going to go to, to heaven? And you know, really, I'm not so sure about them. They don't seem very friendly at all. If you, even if you don't know God, that can be a main, ob- a real, real obstacle for you. That can be a huge obstacle. People say to me on Alpha, how can, how can God be going to punish people who are, who are nice people. And even themselves, they'll say, I'm, I'm a nice person. I try and be nice to people. I don't do horrible things. And that would be true. All that would be true if it was about how moral we are, if it was about how good we are. But it's not. The question isn't how good are we? The question isn't how moral are we? The question is, do we know God? Do we know God? It's not about what we do. It's about who we know. And God has made a way open for us to come to know him. 
to come to, 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 into relationship with him. There was no way before because of our sin, because of our rebellion, because of society's rebellion, because it was inborn in all of us. We couldn't know God. But then Jesus made a way. He took the forgiveness. He took the punishment, sorry, for, for our sin. He took the guilt on himself when he died on the cross. So it, it suddenly became not about how good we were, but about how good and obedient he was. And he, he exchanged our punishment for his favor, for his relationship with God. I mean, he came back into that. He was raised from the dead. But we receive relationship with God. We can come. We can know him. We've already read about the spirit that that enables us to say, Abba, Father. We can call him Father. It's about who we know. See, Abraham knows God. He does still know God. He does walk with God. Abimelech doesn't. He's a nice guy. But he doesn't know God. And ultimately, he's going to face the judgment of God. And we will face judgment as well. And Abraham will face judgment. But Abraham walked in faith with God. And that's what it was about. In a sense, it is about how good we are. But but the standard is perfection. And none of us can achieve that. Apart from Jesus. It does warn us, though, not to be too judgmental. We can easily get judgmental about people, can't we? We can easily think, oh, you know, because we're, we're on the in crowd, we know God, we're going to heaven. And we can look at those uh, who don't know God and we can be really judgmental about the way they live their lives. Oh, how dare they live their lives like that. All of those things that they're, they're up to. We need to be careful not to judge others outside of the church. We're no better than anyone else. And you know what? Sometimes, like with Abraham, the only reason we haven't done some of those things, that we will look at others and say, oh, how can they do those things? The only reason we might not have done some of those things is because God in his graciousness has intervened. He stepped in to stop us doing it. He's just not maybe given us that opportunity. Maybe we've never had the opportunity. Oh, how, how, how awful. They've, that person's gone off with someone who's not their wife or their husband. Yeah. Has God, has God prevented you from even having that opportunity? Has he been gracious to you? Has he intervened? Everything's that only you will know about. Where you've seen, actually, even some things where you're thinking, do you know, I'm planning to do this thing. I'm planning. I know it's not godly, but this is what I'm planning. And God intervenes and stops you. Does that sometimes. God's a merciful God. He will intervene. Let's not judge others when we have a God who's protecting us. And we don't want to give people the impression that we're saved on, on the basis of being moral. We don't want to let, let people think that, you know, the only reason we're accepted before God is because we're better people. It's rubbish. We're not. We're not. It's not going to help people if they know that or if they think that. We see the difference between Abraham and Abimelech here in verse 17. It says, Then Abraham prayed to God, and God healed Abimelech, his wife and his slaves' girls, so they could have children again. Abraham prays to God. 
Abraham is coming back to God. And he did the same in Genesis 12. He comes back to God and he worships God. That's the difference. Abimelech, however nice he was, however generous he was, and however gracious he was, he doesn't know God. He doesn't pray to God. And that's the difference. He's not in relationship with God. So God and Abimelech have shown such grace to Abraham here. God shows such grace to us. He rescues the situation. The situation is going way out of control. Oh my word, where's this heading? And God intervenes in a dream. And he rescues the situation. And then Abraham isn't there with his tail between his legs. It's like he's blessing Abraham. He's pouring out all this servants and livestock and money. It's like, wow, I don't deserve this. You notice, actually, in chapter 14, in chapter 14, when Abraham goes into battle and he rescues Lot and he captures a load of plunder, all this wealth that he could have had. And, uh, you know, people are saying, well, who's going to, sh- how are we going to share this out? You know, we, he, he's got some men who've come with him and Abraham says, well, they need to have their share. At that point in, Abra- in Genesis chapter 14, Abraham says, I'm not going to take any of my share. I'm not going to take anything from this because I don't want, I don't want people to think that anyone other than God has made me rich. So I'm not going to take it. Well, why doesn't he say the same to Abimelech? Abimelech's pouring out all of this wealth. Why does he not go, oh, no, no, no. I've got a bit of a policy. I don't take money off anyone else. Actually, because Abraham knows this is God's grace. You know, in Genesis 14, in the battle, he'd earned it. He'd, oh, he, he could have been seen as having earned it. He hadn't. God had won the victory for him. But others could have looked and said, you know, he's fought that battle. He deserves this. And he's saying, no, no, no. Well, right now, he knows he doesn't deserve this. Right now, he knows he's not acted in a godly way. But yet God's saying, I'm going to pour these blessings on you. And Abraham accepts them. He accepts them. And sometimes it can be difficult, can't it? It can be difficult to accept God's grace when we know we've done wrong, when we know we've messed up. Sometimes people struggle in their lives. But God, I've done these things. I've, reckon, I've realized how, how awful I've been. I, I know, I've got no doubt that I don't deserve to know you. Oh, it's amazing, God, that you forgive me. Okay, God, I, I receive your forgiveness, but then you want to bless me as well? You want to welcome me into your family? You want to give me peace? You want to pour out blessing upon blessing? You, you might want to heal me? Oh, God, I, no, I can't accept those things. Oh, because I know how awful I've been. And, oh, and God's saying, no, I want to give you these things as well. Because God's a generous, gracious God. He gives us things that we don't deserve. And when God gives us things that we don't deserve, let me encourage us. Let's accept them. This is God who's giving us them. We don't have to earn favor with God. We don't have to be good enough to be blessed by God. 
So often we can fall into these traps of, oh, do you know, I've had a bad week. Oh, I've not prayed this week. God's not going to do anything through me. Well, he may well do something through you. Might even be more likely he'll do something through you because he's showing that it's his grace and he wants you to know. Who knows? It's not about how well you've done with God. It's about God's lavish grace upon us. And he still pours his grace out on us today. And sometimes we find that hard. So today, we could be here. You know, we could be thinking, do you know what, God? I know there are things in my life that I've just come to the point of thinking it's normal. I kind of know they've become strongholds. I've, I've, I've pretended to myself they don't need dealing with, but, you know, I, I think they do. And, and you've even just thought, I don't even think God's going to sort it out now. I think it's gone on too long. I think this has just been a pattern for too long. This has been a pattern for Abraham for 25 odd years. And God's still coming and intervening. God wants to set you free from those strongholds. God wants to set you free from that hidden shame and, and guilt. He wants to set you free from fear. He wants to set people free from fear of death. And fear of other things as well. He wants to bless you. He wants to pour out so many gifts on your life as well. Not just set you free from that, but say, hey, there's so much more. Take this as well. Walk with me. There's promises ahead. You can come. You don't have to slink behind everyone else. You can be there. You can enter in. Show my people. So let's come to God now. And let's trust in him. In him. Let's pray.